Good morning, everybody. You thawed out nicely. <laughs> and welcome to those who are watching us on, online. My name is Jim. I'm one of the elders here at Park Springs Bible Church. And as Trent said, we're not, we didn't sing about a house, but I can say this is a place where I experienced God's miraculous working in my life, and I know that is true for many of you as, as well. I want to ask you, how's your heartbeat this morning? Is your heart beating stronger every week? Think so? If you're new here, this isn't a do-it-yourself heart check. This is the fifth week of our series on heartbeat. We're talking about our heartbeat at Park Springs Bible Church, and our heartbeat is discovering life in the power of God's grace and sharing that life-changing grace with others. That's our heartbeat. And we do that in five different ways. We're going to look at them, and I'm going to want you to say them this morning. So if we could put up a slide with these five ways. These are ways in which we are discovering life in the power of God's grace and sharing that life-changing grace with others. Ready? We do that by joining together in worship, reaching out in mission, pursuing diversity, growing in emotional and relational health, and participating in spiritual formation. That's number five. That's this morning. Maybe you're asking, well, what exactly is spiritual formation? I'm not sure I know exactly what spiritual formation is. Great question. There's a lot we can say about spiritual formation. But this morning, we're going to concentrate on just three questions. Question number one, what is spiritual formation? Question number two, how does spiritual formation happen? Question number three, what's my part in spiritual formation? Just three questions. What is spiritual formation? How does spiritual formation happen? And what is my part? What do I do in spiritual formation? So what is spiritual formation? Spiritual formation is the way that God forms you to be like Jesus Christ. Spiritual formation is the way that God forms the unique you that he created you to be to be formed into the image of his beloved son, Jesus Christ. Spiritual formation is the way that God helps you to live like Jesus and to love like Jesus and to be like Jesus. And maybe if, if you could have a personal interview with God this morning, you might ask him, Heavenly Father, I'd like to know one thing. What is it that you most want from me? What, what do you most want from me? Do you want me to blow up less at my wife and kids when they don't do what I say? Do you want me to do better at sexual purity? Uh, do, do, you, do you want most from me to evangelize more at, at work? Do you want me to work in, in the nursery? What, what is it you most want from me? And I think God would say, those are good questions, but I'm going to turn that around. Because the starting point is not what I want from you, it's what I want for you. And what I want for you more than anything else is for you to be formed into the image of my very own son, Jesus. And God tells us that that's his purpose in Romans 8, 28 and 29. He tells us that is what I want for you. So you can look at Romans 8, 28 and 29. It's going to be up on the screen. 
Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, all things work together for good. We love that. We should. For those who are called according to his purpose. But what is that purpose? What is that purpose? That's verse 29. His purpose is to conform you and me to the image of Jesus Christ. Verse 29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined. He preplanned. He purposed in his heart to be what? Conformed to the image of his Son in order that he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. That's you and me. That's what God wants for you. But, but as soon as we read those words, foreknew and, and, and predestined, all these logical alarms go off and we start asking questions like, does that mean that God foreknows who will put his or her faith in Christ and who not? And if God predestined everything, do I have any, any free will? And those are good questions, but those are not the questions that Paul is answering in this passage. Paul is answering the very same question that Pastor Charlie so powerfully posed to us two weeks ago. Has God somehow dropped me because the Roman Christians are suffering they're being persecuted they, they some have been murdered in just a few short years some of them will be doused with oil they will be set on fire and they will literally be human tortures at dinner parties for Roman VIPs some of them will be dressed in animal skins and pushed out into the Colosseum and people will actually stand up and clap and cheer while the real wild animals rip them apart. And they want to know, does God see me? Does, does he have a purpose for me? And Paul's answer is, God has always had his eye on you. God has always known you. You know, sometimes we say that about an old friend. Oh, yeah. I've known him, I've known her forever. God can say that. He does say that. He says that about you. He says that about you. I have known you forever. I have set my affection on you. This word here for new is not a word about God knew about you. It means that God knew you. Set his affection on you. Theologians like John Stott and others say that verse 29 could actually be translated this way, for those whom God foreloved. This is Jeremiah 31.3 in the New Testament. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And God is saying, I set my affection on you. I knew you. My affection on you is so great that, yes, I want you to be shaped into the image of my beloved son. Me? Like Jesus? You, you're talking to me? Like him? Really? God says yes. I want to conform you, form you to the image of my son that you, you can experience my full fatherly love and relationship and trust like Jesus did. And you're to be formed into the image of Christ so that you can freely give out of, out of your heart to others around you the same compassion and the kindness and the patience and the forgiveness and the blessing that Jesus freely gave, even to those who had heard him. 
And yes, you're to be conformed to the image of Christ so that you can be an active participant with God in his reign and his kingdom here and have purpose, just like Jesus. If you ever wanted to pray a daring prayer, a gutsy prayer, then pray this. Heavenly Father, make me fully like your son Jesus. Pray that and you'll see great answers. Me? Like him. But instead of saying, wow, you would do that for me? Usually we say, whoa, you want that from me? Because that's going to be too hard. I, I, I know it's a great idea. You have a, 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 a thank you for thinking of that great idea. But, but I, don't, I, I think this is kind of a non-starter. I'm not going to be able to make it. And we think we're being humble. We're not being humble. We're being defiant. We are telling him to his face, I don't think you can pull that off. It's not just our heart saying, I don't think I can. We're telling God, I don't think you can. And we lose the joy. And yes, I mean joy. We lose the joy of being conformed to the image of Christ. And I want us to read these words uh, from someone who helped me understand about the joyfulness of being transformed into the image of Christ. It says, since we were created in God's image, yes, we've talked about that, the greatest thirst we have is to be remade in Christ's image. Being made in the image of Christ brings cleansing, renewal, restoration, healing, transformation, and wholeness into the unclean, diseased, broken, imprisoned, dead incompleteness of our lives. It brings compassion in the place of indifference, forgiveness in the place of resentment, kindness in the place of coldness, openness in the place of protectiveness or manipulation. It is a life lived for God and not for self. Again and again, the New Testament emphasizes that this is the work God is seeking to do in us, for us, to grow us up into the likeness of Christ. So if that's what God wants to do, if that's what he wants for you, for me, what gets in the way? I do. I do. Because I am running my own little self-formation project. I am busy shaping me into the me I want to be. So take a long look at this image there. If you can't see this at home, it's a picture of a man using a hammer and a chisel to sculpt himself out of what appears to be a block of granite or, or marble. And from the time that you and I are born, we are sculptors. And we are busy sculpting out the me I want to be. Now maybe for you, that's uh, sculpting out the, the achiever. I want to be respected. I want to be admired as, as the vice president of operations. I want to be respected as a woman who has her own startup company, as somebody who's writing music for their band. Or maybe for you, the hero. Yeah. Wonder Woman. Superman. Everybody depends on me because I am so competent. Sorry. Everybody should depend on me. Or maybe you're, maybe you're sculpting out the princess or the prince. 
people are attracted to me. They are attracted to, to my looks, they, they, to my charisma, to my, to my leadership. They want to be with me. They want to follow me on Twitter. Or maybe you're sculpting out the masterpiece. Perfection. I will be perfect in everything, right about everything. Those of you who know me know I struggle with perfectionism. And if you struggle with perfectionism, you also know that, that, that sometimes the crippling sense of shame and failure that perfectionism brings. So my go-to is to get my hammer and chisel, and this is not a good piece, I'm just going to pop, 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 just going to chip that off right there. Oh, got it. Oh, I feel better about myself, and I know you do too, Lord. Can I ask you, what kind of me are you sculpting yourself out to be? You know what the big deception in that is? It's always this. If I could just sculpt out a little better today, I know my happily ever after is just right around the corner. A couple of years ago, uh, Jennifer Lopez wrote a, uh, her autobiography. It's called True Love. And you might think, Jennifer Lopez. Now, there's somebody who's been able to sculpt out the perfect life. She's an actress. She was a judge on American Idol. She was voted the most beautiful woman in the world. Just imagine that. Mother of twins, engaged to be married to A-Rod, future Hall of Fame baseball player. I mean, she's got... Yeah, some of you are looking at me like, you know, I, Jim doesn't strike me as a guy who'd be lying around his house reading a tell-all by J-Lo. <laughs> Just so you know, I did not read the book, okay? I, but I read about the book, and she actually has something I, I think is insightful. As she talks about true love and about why her marriages didn't make it, she says this, All those relationships had something in common. They had a passionate intensity that I mistook every time for my happily ever after. Reality is hard to see through the adrenaline rush of a new love. And yes, reality is hard to see in our adrenaline rush when we're sculpting out the me I want to be. And so God, who is our true, true love, steps in. Maybe he will step into your life today. He steps in and he says, hand over the hammer and the chisel. Hand it over. And that's scary, isn't it? But every single one of us, we are either sculpting or being sculpted. And the big question in our life is, who's holding the hammer and the chisel? God says, trust me. Are you tired yet? Trust me to sculpt you, to form you into the me that I created you to be. Trust me to sculpt you, to form you, to conform you to Christ, to my, the image of my beloved son every day as you're teaching sixth grade or as you're raising your toddlers or as you're design, designing construction projects or as you're building your marriage or as you're doing IT or as you're stewarding your, your singleness, or as you're serving people as, as a nurse, or as a lawyer, or as an electrician. Trust me with the hammer and the chisel, because if you don't, you will lose the most precious thing you have. You will lose the me I created you to be with my love and my knowledge of you before time began. 
Spiritual formation is not something God wants from you. It's something God wants for you. That's point number one. Spiritual formation is the way God forms us into the image of Christ. But how does that happen? That's number two. Uh, What happens if I give God the hammer and the chisel? So how does spiritual formation happen? It happens because the Holy Spirit does supernatural work in the deepest part of my heart. That's how it happens. The Holy Spirit, not me, the Holy Spirit does supernatural work in the deepest part of my heart. And that's what we're going to see in 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says this, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, the image of the Lord Jesus, from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord Jesus, who is the Spirit. When Paul says this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit, he means the Holy Spirit is doing this, uh, this work, this transforming work on behalf of Jesus, and he's doing it like Jesus. In other words, he's doing it with the same faithfulness, the same mercy, the same holiness, and the same grace as Jesus works in our lives. And that's great news. That means the Holy Spirit is actually shaping us into the image of Christ. It's good news, but here's the bad news. It hurts. It hurts. Because for the Holy Spirit to shape me into the image of Jesus Christ, he is going to have to touch what I love most right in here, and sometimes that is harder than the uh, the, the, uh, marble we saw in that image. You see, there's only two kinds of change. There's supernatural change, and superficial change. And superficial change is I'm changing some things on on the outside and I'm managing some things, but I'm not changing anything in here. Pastor Charlie called superficial change uh, two weeks ago the sin mismanagement. I don't have to change anything in here. And actually, superficial change sometimes is all about me. I'm doing better now. Can't you see? I'm a better person. Don't you like me better now? But supernatural change requires the Holy Spirit to do a deep work. Uh, Let's just take an example, envy. I think we can all identify with that. I can. There is this person at work. And this person gets praised, and this person gets recognized more than I do, and this person is moving ahead, and this person is accomplishing his or her dreams that I'm not, and everybody likes this person, and this person shines on Facebook. But I know, oh, I know, that if other people really knew this person like I know this person, then they would... God calls us up short. We say, yes, Lord, I know. Envy is bad. I'm not going to be an envious person. I'm not going to envy anymore. Lord, take away my envy I'm going to be nice to this person from now on. I'm going to, next time I see him at work, I'm going to say, you know, I, I saw that selfie you took of yourself when you climbed up Mount Rushmore. You're right there under Teddy Roosevelt's mustache. I saw it was just a great picture. That's not change. That's just, that's just suppressing. That's controlling my envy. Suppressing, controlling my envy does not make me like Jesus Christ The Holy Spirit wants to change my heart so that I can actually, truly love that 
person as Jesus would. That's supernatural change. Is that even possible? Two applications. Number one, supernatural change happens by degrees. It is slow many times. Because for the Holy Spirit to change my envy actually, really, into the love of Jesus means that he is going to have to be working in the deepest part of my loves, and that takes time. So if you feel this morning discouraged or frustrated because you still have more envy in your heart than the the love of Jesus for that person, I'm going to encourage you. That frustration you feel, that struggle you feel, that is the Holy Spirit of God working in you. That is actually the sound of sculpting. It's the sound of sculpting in your heart as Jesus begins to, uh, through the Holy Spirit, begins to change you into his image. Jenny and I, in our own journey of heart change, have been tremendously helped by a piece of advice from a Scottish pastor named Robert Murray McChain, who died at at 29. And he said this, for every look at yourself, look at Jesus ten times. He, Jesus, is altogether lovely. Oh, such majesty. And yet such meekness and grace in all for sinners, even the chief of us. And that takes us to application number two. Supernatural change is always Christ-focused. Always Christ-focused. Look again at verse 18. It says, And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. We are not beholding our struggles and failures. We're not looking at our wounded past. We are looking at the Lord Jesus. We have an unveiled face. Before we had faith in Christ, every one of us in this room, there was a veil. For the Israelites, it was the veil of self-righteousness under the law. They could not see Jesus. I don't know what it was for you. Maybe it was fear. Maybe it was addiction. Maybe it was um, arrogance. Maybe it was emotional numbness. But there there was this veil. And then one day, One day that veil was taken away. Verse 16 says, When one turns to the Lord Jesus, the veil is removed and we see him in his glory. The glory of his death on the cross for me. The glory of his resurrection to give me life with him. We see his glory. Now I want to explain something important here. Jesus' glory is not some a kind of pie-in-the-sky, celestial, shiny glory. Jesus' glory is rescuing glory. Jesus' glory is his rescuing glory coming into the nitty-gritty, the dirt, the ugliness, the sin of my life to give me his death and his life. It's rescuing glory. When we put our faith in Christ, we understand that, and then, and then things happen, and a marriage comes apart. And children turn against us. The finances go in the tank. And dreams get shattered. Or sometimes we're even tremendously successful. And we're sculpting out that perfect life. But whatever it is, we lose sight of this basic fact that Jesus' glory is a rescuing glory. What the Holy Spirit does is keep us beholding Jesus. 
His rescuing glory coming into my life with His presence and His provision again and again and again. Jesus brings his, the glory of His comfort when I'm crying the tears that nobody sees. Jesus brings in the glory of His protection as the Good Shepherd when my anxiety levels are going through the roof. Jesus brings in the glory of His holiness when I am cocksure and arrogant and think I've got the greatest scopes in the world. Jesus brings in the glory of His faithfulness when I'm sitting there on my couch at 2 a.m. in the morning and I'm wondering, is my marriage going to make it? Or I'm wondering, where in the world is my teenage daughter? Jesus just flat out brings in rescuing glory in our life. And the Holy Spirit keeps us beholding that, almost like a, a, a mother with her, with her child where she takes the face and the Holy Spirit keeps us beholding that, 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 that rescuing glory of Jesus. And again he comes in, and again, and, and this is what I need today, and, and again he comes in, and again, and the Holy Spirit keeps us beholding him, and again, and again, and again. And you know what happens? Transformation happens. Your heart gets changed, and Jesus Christ becomes the supreme love of your heart. He becomes the supreme and ruling affection of your heart. And you'll say, fairest Lord Jesus, ruler of all nature, O thou of God and man the Son, thee will I cherish, thee will I honor, O thou soul's, O my soul's glory, joy, and crown. Would you be willing to let Jesus touch your deepest love? Will it hurt? Absolutely. But it will be a place of joy. It will be a place where you experience the rescuing glory of the Lord Jesus. So could I ask us to do something as a church? Could we repent as a church of superficial change. Could we, as a friend of mine says it, could we change how we change and embrace the supernatural change of the Holy Spirit as he keeps us beholding the Lord Jesus Christ? So first, God wants to shape us into the image of his beloved Son, he does so by the power of the Holy Spirit. And third, so what's my part? What's your part? What, what do we do? I'm going to give you a one-word answer, and it is, my, it is my best this morning. One word. Participate. Participate in spiritual formation. We're not going to look at a particular verse because the Holy Spirit is rich uh, in the way that he, he offers his, his life to us. Uh, if we think about some of the passages in the, in the New Testament, we are called to be full of the Spirit. We are to walk with the Spirit. We are to sow to the Spirit. We are to pray in the Spirit. We are to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit. We are not to grieve the Spirit. We are not to quench the Spirit. We are to keep in step with the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, now you have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit of God that we might understand the things freely given to us by God. And the message of all that is simply this, just participate. 
Just get in the flow. That's, that's the idea. And here in our strategic plan at Park Springs, we had some ideas for participation. And let, let me just say, the reason we have a strategic plan is so we can participate together. There's nothing new in it. It's, it's just, it's, the only thing new is we're being intentional. That's what's new. So three ways to participate. Number one, participate in spiritual practices. That is, uh, meditating in the Bible, memorizing the Bible, drinking in the Word of God, learning more about the Lord, praying together, uh, asking Jesus' rescue and glory to come into my life. We also, Jared was talking this morning about practices like self-denial or confession or even fasting. By fasting, we actually use our bodies to say, Lord, my greatest hunger is you. I need more of you. That's what I'm really hungry for. We participate in spiritual practices. Second, we participate with spiritual people. Spiritual people. We need help. I need help. Spiritual people are not perfect people. Spiritual people are other people who are walking in this process of being conformed to the likeness of Jesus Christ. Spiritual people, that's the people in your small group. That's your the mentors, friends. That, that's the college group. That's the, the men's ministry. Spiritual people. Let me just say this morning, very personally, I cannot grow into the image of the Lord Jesus without your help. And you know what? I don't want to do it without your help. Number three, spiritual service. Service. Serving others, serving the needy, serving the vulnerable, serving this community with love and excellence. Spiritual formation is always missional. It is not mystical. It is missional because in spiritual formation, we are being shaped into the image of Jesus Christ, the one who gave himself for the world. It is, it is missional. We cannot become like Jesus, only discovering life and the power of God's grace if we do not grow in learning how to share that life-changing grace with others. Now here's the good news about spiritual formation. Sometimes, often, it happens in dark times. Anybody going through a dark time? Well, let me close with this. This was a, a study done. Uh, it came out a few months ago. It was fascinating to me. I don't know if it is to anybody else, but it, the study was of 12 people, men and women from various occupations, from different backgrounds, 12 people, and what these 12 people had in common was this. They had all gone through a dark and desperate time. Anybody identify with that? And as they had come out of that dark and desperate time, they had grown in Christ's likeness. They had a richer, deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And the researchers wanted to know, well, how did that happen? What was the factor that was most important in your life in moving through that dark and desperate time to Christ's likeness? You want to know the answer? It won't surprise you. Three factors were, were most important. Factor number one, spiritual people just like you. Small group members, spiritual friends, mentors that walked alongside that person in her hour of darkness and, and, and absolutely, utterly refused to let go. Factor number two, the Word of God. Drinking in the Word of God, meditating, studying, memorizing, listening, Taking in God's promises like never before. Factor number three, 
prayer, honest prayer, not now I lay me down to sleep, thanks God for the food, help me out today and bless Aunt Gertrude. One person said, I had to throw away my old prayer list and pray the Psalms to get real with God. Now here's the thing. These 12 people did not repeat, did not have the power to overcome that dark and desperate time. So what did they do? They participated. They participated in spiritual formation and with the help of friends they were able to behold Jesus Christ in his rescuing glory coming into the darkness in their life. Together. Listen to the conclusion, please, of this study because it, it has to do with us. It says the church, that's us. The church must hold to her, before her members the vision of God's power working through their weakness while trusting the Holy Spirit to do his refining work in the fires of adversity Dear ones, that's why we have a strategic plan. That's why. So we can do it together. So one last time. Would you be willing to turn in the hammer and the chisel? And just say, Lord, I'm, I'm tired of this. Sculpt, sculpt away by the power of your Holy Spirit. Touch what I love the most and form in me the person of your Son, Jesus Christ, and I will praise you for it. I will praise you for it every day. And you know, wouldn't it be nice if all the sculpting and transforming were, were finished? Well, good news. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, one day it will be. You will be perfect. You will be perfectly perfect because you will see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ as he is. Philippians 3, 20 and 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Oh, what a day that will be. Transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body, by the power that enables him to subject even all things to himself. On that day, spiritual formation will be finished. Until that day, one word, participate. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, it boggles our minds think about what you want for us. What can we say? What can I say? What we say is our eager amen to your purpose. Here we are, the church at Park Springs. We desperately need you. We desperately need each other. Do a great and mighty work by your Holy Spirit. Form us in the image of your beautiful, beloved Son. And we will praise you every day for it. In Jesus' name we pray.